Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Thomas Hughes, and this is another episode of the Cube LA podcast. I am currently in the process of moving studios, but thankfully I was able to get in one more interview before all of my stuff was packed away. Joining me today is Miss Danielle Thomas. She is a human capital partner in the Baltimore area, and she will be discussing her journey as a teacher, a coach, and her current job. I think this will be a good listen for someone currently working in our school systems to give insight into where things are going well and where things could be improved at the grade school levels. I think we need to hear more voices from one of the most important professions in the United States. Ms. Thomas was kind enough to let us hear hers. It was an honor and a pleasure to sit down with her. It was so much fun. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and welcome to the stage, Miss Danielle Thomas. I think we're recording now. Um, so yeah, first thing that I noticed when you came up to the to the building, um, you you seem to be an expert at parallel parking. That was. <laughs> I actually really appreciate that because I gave myself a pat on the back when I no, that was great. I, I saw you did it the I first said, time. Oh my right? god! Congratulations! Yes. First time. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was that was great. And uh, yeah, also sorry about the address situation. I don't know why you're apologizing. I didn't pay attention. Well, I think you definitely put West in there. Personally, I think if they're going to name a street East and West, they should just name it a different street. That's me personally. OK, so I understand where you're coming from, though. It makes a lot of sense. All right. So now we're officially going to get started. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> OK, so Ready? I'm going to give you a very brief introduction so people know who it is that I'm talking to. So okay. your name is Miss Daniel Thomas. Yes. Correct. Yes. yes. And you are currently a human capital partner here in the Baltimore area. Yes. Yes. I OK. Am. Now, we met actually four months ago. Was it that long? It was about ago? four months ago. Stop. Yeah, it. Mike. Um, I was looking for someone who had some connection to like the um, education system, teacher, yeah. principal, whatever. And Mike, Mike McClendon. You know. Yeah. Who? Okay. Yeah. yeah. He mentioned your name. That was about four months ago, and That's we were going to do the interview in March. March. And we know what happened in March. But yes. Yeah. Okay. It All hit. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot has changed since then, yes. Yes, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, here we are. <laughs> so as a human capital partner, uh-huh. I have to keep saying it. Over it sounds and over. formal. It's <laughs> it is. It, it's formal. It's. It, I think it's important because there's a, there's a reason why that title was given, right? You're mm. it's something in the title that you do that we're going to discuss now. That's, okay. that's what I was about to ask you. <laughs> Perfect, Andrew. Yeah. So what what exactly does a human capital partner do? 
Okay. So quite a few things. Essentially, the human capital partner is the bridge between the actual school administration employees um, and the district. And so essentially, I'm kind of like the liaison. Um, If you're talking about employees that need assistance with, um, I don't know, benefits or evaluations, if there are issues that require labor relations in a legal department, um, or if principals are talking about staffing their schools and their mm. budgets and the things that they need, um, I'm that person. And so if a principal's like, oh, hey, I need help figuring out if I still have my certification in X, Y, and Z there, or if they have um, a relationship with an employee or anything like that, I'm going to be that kind of like human resource person for the uh, building. When you say personal, you mean like a, you know, um, dating or... If that person has a relationship with someone else, yes. Oh, okay. I thought that you said dating, but then I wasn't sure. I was like, no, he didn't say that. Yes, he did. Oh, yeah. What <laughs> should I have said something else? <laughs> no, you shouldn't have. It's just my brain was just a little bit. Oh, I'm so. sorry. I'm <laughs> no, sorry. You're fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, okay. So you have, and this is what we discussed when I first met you, mm-hmm. right? You have more insight into what it is to be a teacher and what a teacher might want or yes. need, right, than other people because you were a teacher. Yes. Right? You were a teacher in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Could yes. you talk to me about Philadelphia? <laughs> it depends on like what you want to know. Tell me Love whatever Philly. you tell me Love whatever Philly, you have. But... Because somehow, some way you went from Philly to Baltimore. Okay. And there's a track there. Okay. And it's okay. So before I became a teacher, mm-hmm. I was not interested in education at all. Both of my parents are educators, and I decided uh, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you don't make enough money. Really? Not, yes. I didn't want to go to college when I like, graduated from high school. I wanted to, I don't know how I thought I was going to do this, join the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was like, I just want to be of service. I don't want to do all that other stuff. So fast forward, um, I actually entered teaching through Teach for America, actually. Oh, okay. That was my vehicle, and I was a psychology major in school. It was my junior year. I had a professor that was a teacher. He told me about his experiences um, in the Mississippi Delta region. And I was like, huh, okay, interesting. Um, and so from there, I ended up in Philadelphia, actually taught at a charter school in Philly, in South Philly. Oh, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you had no Should idea that. <laughs> no, you can. I want you to keep going. Man. <laughs> Boy, bring the mic closer to you. All right, there here you we go. go. Okay, we go. so. Uh, charter schools yeah charter schools. can you explain to me what a charter school is versus well whatever other type of schools that there might be okay so you have like public charter and then you have private so the public school of course is going to be all the funding is going to be from the state things like that they're going to follow all of the uh curriculum and that's given through like the state um whereas charter schools they're going to be they get their funding from donors and they get their funding from the state. Um, A lot of, well, I don't wanna go there yet. Um, And then you have (laughs) private, of course. And then they kind of have, they can do whatever they want, essentially. Like the district can't tell them or regulate anything. Um, Whereas public schools, the district is gonna regulate everything. Charter schools, they have a bit more autonomy to kind of do what they want, if that makes sense. But it's still with public but yes, public funds. Some of the funds are public and some can be from donors. Yes. Uh, okay. So the charter schools are a bit of a mixture. Yes, they can be. Mm-hmm. And public is on the op- on one extreme and then you have private, which is on the, the other extreme. extreme. Yep. Okay. What is the benefit of a charter school versus, say, a public or a private? 
I personally think it depends on your location. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on the charter. Um, I think everyone is different in regards to what they think is best for their child. Um, within Philly, there were a lot of families that actually pushed for charter schools. Um, and so when you have families pushing for charter schools because they think that that's going to be a better you know, opportunity for their child, um, then that demand is going to, of course, uh, create hmm. potentially more schools. Um, but. I think it depends because I think there are also community schools that do a really good job. And so I just, I think it depends on your location. About community mean just straight public, yeah, public straight funds public, completely. Public fund. So would you, is it the public, the parents from public schools that are pushing for the charters? I think it's parents in different situations. I mean, it's really hard to say exactly because when I'm thinking about the demographic, it just depends on the demographic. Gotcha. Um, I have found in my personal experience being in Philly, being in the city, um, a lot of parents thought that the charter schools would bring about more opportunity. Hmm. They had more resources. And so I think that that's kind of what they were going for. Um, even though you have families that have gone to the same public schools for generations, right? Um, but if there is a lack of funds, of course, coming to that school, or if there's a charter school that is saying, oh, like 95% of our students are going to college and going through college or whatever that may be, then I could see a family saying, oh, well, then I want that for my child as well. Right, right. Yeah. Sort of like advertisement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Philadelphia, um, I guess, how would you, because you were a teacher there, obviously, you're not doing it anymore. No. What? I'm not. And I want to go back to teaching. What a reaction. It's not, yeah, it's interesting because I have a lot of feelings left from teaching in a charter school in Philly. Yeah. Um, and I've learned a lot over the past, what, eight, 10 years. Okay. Um, and so I do want to go back into the classroom, but I have some guilt associated with leaving the classroom and when I'm thinking about the you know just yeah I think about a lot of things and so that's what that reaction was and I didn't love the school I was teaching in as well so there's that I was gonna Mm -hmm. ask oh yeah there we have (laughs) some feelings talk about relationships there's some things going on yeah no well what 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 is it about teaching that drew you into it we can start there, okay. but I, I want to hear both sides. So okay. there was something that drew you into it, yes. and there was something that pushed you. I shouldn't say push you out of it, but that made you allowed you to have interests elsewhere. It definitely was the adults. Definitely wasn't the children. What the uh, the parents? No. Oh no, administration. Colleagues. Not even colleagues, just administration. <laughs> Essentially, politics. You know what I mean, yeah. Um, okay. You're talking about. I was working in a charter school where the majority of people were not um, from. The city. I was. I was already a transplant, um, and they came in with a set of values, and I feel like they use those values sometimes to manipulate. Mm. Um, and I just, yeah, that was just very hard for me, mm-hmm. um, especially when I'm thinking that we're serving predominantly black and brown children. Majority of the staff, I would argue, probably around eighty to eighty-five percent of the teaching staff or administration um, were all white, and so there was just a disconnect. Um, I think when I am considering, you know, communities and learning about the history of the community that you're working in, and I think that that is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when you and others may not be aligned or have the same vision, mm-hmm. there can be. Yeah, things um, clash. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It clashes. So you have this this charter school, which is public funds plus uh, private funds mm-hmm. within the city. Yes. Not well represented 
by that part of the city. Yes, for some schools, right? Not all charters, but yes. Yours in particular, yes. though, was one that did not have that representation. Yes. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume what that means, but you can you can tell me because I mean my my assumption might be different from what actually happened okay. in, in your eyes. Okay. Without having the right representation, in terms of administration, in terms of the teachers, mm-hmm. what have you, that serve in that community. How do you think not having the, I guess, equal representation, how do you think that affected the the learning environment or the kids that attended the school? Mm. Um, I think in a lot of different ways. I hate the word discipline, but discipline was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. When I'm thinking about the school to prison pipeline, and uh, I feel that in some ways, like I kind of had a hand in that because when the, you know, when you're being told what to do, right, from the top down, um, your values are going to play out in your directives and things like that. And so if you, for example, um, if you value uniform and dress code, Mm -hmm. and we have a student that can't afford a belt and you send him home for the day, what does that say? Are we valuing the student and getting them their education? Or are we valuing just a piece of clothing and what it means to you versus, okay, well, there has to be an alternative. Just small things like that. You're kidding. That ended up being bigger. Th- oh, yeah, no, I don't joke. No. You, you do joke. I mean, I joke. You're not joking yeah, no, now. No, no, not at all. <laughs> you're, you're, so you're telling um, me that there were, okay, so there were requirements of some of these students that, that clearly some just couldn't meet. Or it, it, it doesn't have to be that big of a deal. Like we it's choose. It's something small you could let yes, go. If you choose to. Okay. If you choose to. And that was just something that you found to be, with again, within that school, not necessarily all schools in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. within that school that. to be a problem. Yes. Yeah, I'm a, I try to be diplomatic. I do. <laughs> and you do as well, I can tell. <laughs> no, but you're being, yeah. you're being open. This is just your experience, I know. So this is just yeah. from your perspective. Yeah. But I do wonder how many other teachers shared their perspective. Again, not at necessarily your school, mm-hmm. but in other places in the country. Um, yeah, I, This is why I'm thankful to have you here because I, I haven't had the, I work with the schools mm-hmm. I mean, as a psychiatrist. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist. So I work with um, you know teachers and school psychologists, but I yeah. don't actually get the opportunity to sit down with them and have a discussion mm. about how they feel and also how they feel in different school settings. Right. Right. Yeah. Did you only do a charter school when you taught or did you teach elsewhere? Yes, only charter. Oh, that was it for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, and if I feel like if I valued more of the same things, um, I think that the experience would have been different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, and I have seen charters that exist that, you know, I don't know, when your values align with where you work um, and the things that you do, um, I just, it makes a really big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes real, and I've seen charter schools that have done it. Uh, like they, I don't know, they found a way to mesh building relationship and coming up with a, you know, community, um, definition of like respect and care and affirmations and being concerned about people and their family and their experiences and their history and, it's just the cultural competencies. It's just very, very interesting. But I think that there are schools that do it well because they have people who are like in tuned, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think for some charters or some schools, people have blind spots, especially when you're not a part of a community. Right. Um, and so for the communities where, you know, school communities where you have people who are from the community or um, are transplants, but they're working in partnership with other organizations and other stakeholders, it just makes a difference. Mm. 
I can tell you as a uh, as a physician, there's not a lot of black representation, mm, right? Well, in medicine in general, um, in psychiatry, <laughs> and then yeah. child psychiatry, mm. especially with black males, it's just not a lot of us. There's yeah. very few, um, and I know that there is an active attempt to bring more into the field, right. not just psychiatry, but just in general. But it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've quite figured out exactly how to go about um, fixing that issue with recruitment. Right. Um, do you have any thoughts on how to bring in more teachers of color, not, not even necessarily black, but just representative of whatever population that they're in? Yes, I have ideas. Um, but again, the theory versus application, like I have ideas that if we're if we're saying that we want black men, then we need to go where black men are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sometimes the issue is um, the spaces where we want to recruit, there's not always representation there. And so it's like, well, why do we keep going back to those spaces? But then on the flip side, um, when I'm thinking about my experience and not being in education and becoming a teacher, um, and I'm thinking about that of, you know, some of my friends, a lot of the conversations were like, yeah, I would love to give back, but like, I'm also trying to like take care of like my family, mm. handle things like that. Then like, I want to come over here and do this. Ah, right now it's kind of hard to do both. So there's also a struggle because finances are real too. And I've got oh, bills to pay. You feel me? This job doesn't pay very much. I mean, you know, <laughs> the I, mean, stress. I don't have to pay parking this month but I will next month yeah um so I don't think that we considered that and then I'm just yeah I, I don't know I don't think that that was a complete thought I I feel like I had a, a lot of ideas but yeah they don't include like processes that I feel like would be realistic you're right. on the same line of thinking that I'm on okay and by that I mean again I can only speak on just medicine in general I think the the targets for recruitment are people that are in residency for child psych. And then if it's, if they're in residency, it's then it's the med students. I don't know how much it goes beyond that to the undergrads in terms of recruitment. And if you're gonna approach undergrad, you should look at the high schools, the middle schools. But I guess my issue with that is if you're, I, I think that if you target like a kid to like go into medical school, I would much rather that kid get a breadth of different, like a variety of different things to learn, math, science, and they'll pick whatever path that they want. It's just like across the board, I don't think the education, and we're talking globally here, Mm -hmm. in some of the neighborhoods due to the poverty level and due to just what you've been talking about, difficulty in recruiting the correct people for that population, I think that's a problem. It is. Um, (laughs) Until that's solved. until that's solved, I think there's gonna be a lot of issues in terms of recruitment in, in pretty much any field of study, teaching, yeah. medicine in general. Um, and I haven't quite figured out how to fix that. And I've been a part of organizations that have really tried, like even at you know some of the local universities, well, HBCUs mm-hmm. anyway, um, and trying to do a pilot program. I was a part of a pilot program where we went in School of Education had these conversations with you know okay. black and brown students, um, but what they, it's like we tried to prep them to go through a program or to interview for a program, but then when they got to the program, a lot of them didn't make it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and so there's also when I'm thinking about it, a lot of bias. Um, they didn't get into the program, or yeah. they, uh 
So it's like you do all of this targeted prep, right, mm-hmm. for this group of students. And then when they come up to the system or the process or whatever, um, it just, there's a disconnect and something's not working. But it wasn't set up to work anyway. So then there's that. But that's a different conversation in regards to education. So you're saying you... I'm interested in this pilot program because oh, okay. that's exactly what you I was. said. We're going to this pilot. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yes, 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 and not so much that particular pilot program. I'm just interested to hear. So, were these people already interested in the field, or were they were they already in line to do it? But these were already students at a university who were in the school of education. They were already in the school Juniors of education and seniors. Yes. Oh, uh, okay. And what exactly you were trying to get them into the we were trying to assist them in uh, getting into a teacher preparation program oh okay like so when they graduate they could start oh, okay. teaching and things like that um but unfortunately um because of some of the things associated with going through the process mm-hmm. or for that program um we found that most or the majority of students did not get in and a lot of them were black males. Mm. Um, but even within the school district, when I'm thinking about certification and other things, a lot of our black and brown employees, when I'm thinking about like the resources and things like that, like a lot of them do need the additional resources, but I don't know if we do a very good job of providing them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I feel like people kind of fall to the wayside because they're not really getting what they need, but we haven't figured out how to get people what they need. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense because when we spoke earlier, you were asking me questions about me. So Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a few things about me. Is that what you want? Yes. I'll tell you about me. Okay. So the way that I talk now is significantly different than I used to talk. The way I used to talk, um, I would say 10 years, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Slang was slang cursing i used to do a lot of things vernacular right (laughs) once i started getting into the environment of you know education um you know pre-med all that stuff i started Mm -hmm. being around other and i just adapted i code switched that's what i did i didn't have to do it as much in high school but i definitely did when i got to uh to undergrad and definitely in medical school one of the reasons I understood the need to code switch is because I I ran into some fantastic mentors Mm. at VCU I went to Virginia Commonwealth University. It's in Richmond, mm-hmm. Virginia. Mm-hmm. You're familiar? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Fantastic mentors. Yeah. I, um, I don't think I knew how to tie a tie. Um, I didn't know how to do an interview. I was horrible at interview interviewing. Um, I had a lot of good people surrounding me, mm. and I would not have gone into medicine if it wasn't for someone who essentially told me about a summer program. <laughs> I went to the wow. summer program. I loved it, and after that I got back and I was just pretty much just on the way to, to going into medicine. Um, my grades were always fine, but I didn't know exactly what to do with my grades. The reason why I bring that up to you is because I, I think that mentorship is gonna be the biggest asset. But I, I don't mean, again, at the, at the undergrad level, we're talking mm-hmm. about middle, High right. school when things start happening, right? Yeah, let the let the elementary school kids play around, <laughs> and then the when they get to <laughs> when they get to when they get to middle and high school, I think that's kind of the time where you can you can teach them how to, or I wouldn't even say code switch, but there's a certain way to present yourselves in in one setting versus another. 
done lessons on this yeah oh you've done lessons yeah. <laughs> okay literally where, where have you done lessons with my ninth grade students ah yeah they used to have always they used to always ask questions like why do you want me to talk like that why, why do i have to say things and it's like it's like an understanding of i want to affirm and value the way you speak at home mm-hmm. or the way you speak to your friends because i think it's really important but then to your point i think the exposure and like the tools, right? So that when they're in different situations and they can pick up on something, it's like, oh, okay, well, this might be a language that you understand. And yeah. so for me, it's been more, it was more so about, okay, they're just different type. like it's a different language, mm-hmm. right? Not to say that, you know, the way that you speak when you were at home or the slang or the cursing, I curse like a zero, or the cursing or whatever it may be, right? is like a bad thing, but it's, there's a, there's a culture and in, within that culture, they value uh, this type of language and that type having access or understanding that that will give you that access so that you can have those types of conversations um, because sometimes without it people won't let you in yeah do you know what I mean yeah but sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you you didn't interrupt that was yeah. that was pretty much what I was and, and, you know you bring up a or at least I thought of an interesting point I wonder what would have happened had I spoken like I do now back then I don't know if I would have fit in as well I was called an Oreo. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's so cruel. I'm sorry to laugh. Uh, no, it's fine. <laughs> that's sorry. Yeah. But no, that, yeah. that happens in our community. Yeah. If you, if you talk, hey, I'm trying to think of the best way to, I think you know what I'm trying to say. I know. Exactly. If, I if feel you, like I know exactly you, what you If you speak proper English, you're trying to act better than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think fortunately I wasn't, I didn't quite understand that anyway. So I wasn't able to talk like that, Mm -hmm. but I can imagine if I were to go back in time and I didn't sag my jeans and I didn't use slang, um, because I I think I did experience some of that because I did get good grades Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that wasn't social. It's not that it wasn't socially acceptable, but you stand out. People didn't love it all the time. They didn't make you feel great. (laughs) No, no, it it wasn't what I would say socially acceptable. So I think... A mentorship is we're just brainstorming here. We're just thinking out loud. I think mentorship is a big thing, but I also think we also need to support um, each other, no matter how we sound, how we dress. We're all Uh, we're all initiated. That's the thing is essentially by birth. Yeah. But even as adults, I think we still kind of play the game of initiated versus not initiated. But I think with the kids. Yeah. Maybe that's another a topic for another day. Um, anyway, okay. So <laughs> that is teaching in Philly. Yes. How long? How long did you teach? I, I, I was only a teacher for a couple of years. Oh, for a couple of years. I lost my position. It's a long story, but I was well, told we, that my we have position. Time. <laughs> I was told that my position would um, not be back at the okay. school. So I was also a special education teacher, lit oh. in composition, and then um, I did the English language learning for my school. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was really interesting. And we were talking about like me getting into teaching. So I was identified um, as needing additional support services as a student. My mom was like, yeah, nah, y'all gonna have to deal with her and everything that comes with her. I was an energetic child to say the least. Yeah, yeah. Um, But for me, I think that my heart goes out because I just think that a lot of our students are treated differently when it comes to um, those that just may have and I don't even want to, I want to be careful how I say this. Those who may have um, something that people identify. Like, I don't know if I really 
believe in all of the labels that we give children. Sometimes I think we give children labels so that we can move them and put them in other spaces. But anyway, because of that, I was gung-ho special education. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, I lost my train of thought. Where was it going? You were... Um, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Um, wait, wait, wait. You were telling... Don't worry, we'll cut this. <laughs> Thank you. That's it's the bit of... That's okay. This is a moment, right? That's fine. And, and and sometimes sometimes not cutting it is just it's just genuine. You know, hey, people out... We're, th- we're brainstorming right now. Right. Um, what was I saying? But I think you were describing to me your uh, why you got interested in special education. Yes. Okay. So I know how I was treated as a student. So I, Maryland is my ninth state, um, I believe. And so I born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Most of my childhood was spent there, but then moved between there and New York. Um, and so now I'm back here. I know, right? Wait, 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 wait. No, yeah. No, no. Lots of, stop. lots of movement. No, no, stop, stop. Okay. <laughs> Stop, you know what? No, no, no. We're we're gonna we're gonna go way back, okay? Because oh, okay. I'm a child psychiatrist. So oh, God, I care right. about this. <laughs> You've mentioned so many things from your childhood that stood out to me. I mentioned a couple from mine too, but yeah. we're gonna go back, way okay. back. You were born where? Atlanta. Okay. Who did you grow up with? My mom, and then my dad was in the picture when you know different points. Okay, yeah. he was in and out. I I don't want to say in and out because okay. he was always. There, I think, if we needed, even if he didn't always live with us, if that makes sense. He was around, available, there loving. You there you go. Okay, I mean, got it. Yeah, got it. Um, okay, so are you are you still in Atlanta around this time? When did you move after that? Um, my parents got divorced for the first time, so I think it was eight. You say the first time? Yeah, they got married and divorced, married, separated, divorced, and then remarried, separated, divorced. That's love, mm, isn't it? <laughs> It's all the health right there. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's love. Look, look, we messed up the first time. We're going to try again. Damn it, we messed up again. Let's not. It's just. (laughs) They could have said that. Yeah. But they loved each other. (laughs) I'm assuming. People do a lot for families. And so, you know, I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to let them know. Yeah, we'll. It's okay. Because, yeah, I know we're just going to cut it. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. So, the first time they got divorced. Okay. Where are we now? How old are you? Atlanta. First time they got divorced, I was, what, five? Because they got married two days before my 10th birthday. Okay, yeah. I was like five or six. Oh, okay. Um, My dad was in halfway house for some time when I was a child. And so mom was like, you know, she was a reformed alcoholic Mm. and addict as well. And so she was like, yeah, no, we can't do that anymore. Got it. Gave him some time to get himself together. Once he kind of got himself together, they decided to try it again. And so that all took place in Atlanta. Um but then, of course, they separated again. They they tried for the no. second time. That's mm-hmm. I love them for that. Mm-hmm. I don't even know them, but I love them for that for oh, trying that's again. So kind. <laughs> that's so kind. Okay. All right. So where are we now? How old are you at this point? So when they got remarried, um, I was it was two days before my tenth birthday. We mm. relocated to North Carolina. By that time, when they were divorced, I had lived in Georgia, South Carolina, and then North Carolina. So we relocated back to North Carolina when I was 10 in fifth grade. Um, my dad was a coach for HBCUs. And so if you got a contract, it might be four year, maybe two years. It depends on how the team does. So mm. that's when that started. Um, and, you know, from there is 
He moved. We moved. Florida, Virginia. Yeah. Oh, because he was a coach. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, I, I initially thought maybe Army brat, but no. he was coaching. Oh, yeah, okay. Was coaching. See, now I, I know he more about coaching. that. Coaches move around. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to leave you out there hanging. My uh, my my parents also split up when I was about nine. My father really? drank. My father drank also, so they split up. But mine didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> you see the difference is, you know, there was kind of like a, uh, you know. <laughs> hey, he... he I don't know where he. I don't know where he was. We. I knew he was around, but mm-hmm. we didn't. Yeah, but you're not alone in that that yeah. situation. Okay, so um, I appreciate that. <laughs> where are we now? Because I remember you told me you had no interest in doing teaching. None. Oh God, no. Are we in high school at this oh, point? No. Oh, in high school and in college. High okay. school, I was just like, ugh. My mom's like, you have to go to college. I was like, I don't want to go. So she was like, you need to at least apply. So mm. I applied to a couple schools. Um, ended up going to NC State, and then at NC State, that's when I had the professor my junior year, and I was like, oh, well, no. Nah. Maybe uh, this might be a good fit. I mean, you yeah. love children. Yeah. Like, you know, um, you were identified as a student needing support services. You know how you felt. You know how you want children to feel. Uh, you know what you want them to get out of the classroom. They're the skills that you learn in curriculum and then others that aren't written down. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so, yeah, it wasn't until my junior year um, at NC State that I was like, you know what? I'm going to teach. And uh, yeah. Gotcha. It was, yeah. Again, similar story to mine with the meeting the right person who, you know, sort of really? pushes you. Yeah, when I, I didn't, I didn't want to do medicine when I first. I didn't want to go to college. I could really care less. Oh, so we shared that. We do, yeah. Well, but I met, I met um, <clears throat> my my great. I was always good at math and science. Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> Don't be. You can't see the textbooks in my apartment right now, but those things are painful to read. So, um, no, but I was always good at math and science. And I, you know, you have to go to your school counselors every so often. Mm-hmm. And they looked at my grades and said, Have you thought about doing this? Yeah. And at that time, I was 19. And the only reason I was there is because my mother, like, either you're getting out of my house or you're going to college. That, w- that was the rule. That's why I was in college. <laughs> he said, well, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. VCU was up the street from me. And uh, again, this just is just telling you how much, how little I cared. But in terms of applying, I just didn't want to write an essay to apply. And I didn't have to at the, to write an essay for VCU. So I did that. That's how lazy you I was. You said, this sounds like me. I think that this is going to be my, <laughs> this is going to be my path. This is my journey. No, it, I didn't oh, have one. Real. I didn't have one. I just, I just did stuff just to get by. And I didn't have any direction. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just... But luckily, I ran into that, that counselor, mm. and he told me, "Listen, man, he, you know, here is a summer program for people that are good at math and science, and maybe you'll go into medicine, yeah. maybe you won't." I told him no, and then he told me, "I told him no." I told him no, and then he told me they'll pay you to go. <laughs> and that's when I would have been like, "Huh, I think I can reconsider." Okay. Well, that's when I went. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm 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 going through all of this because. Well, hey, you you volunteered some information about yourself also, <laughs> but because this is why I really believe in in mentorship and um, you know just allowing people to find other people that will push them in the right mm-hmm. direction or at least not even push them, but just show them a path right. and what they'll see what they do with it afterwards. Of course, um, <clears throat> man, I interrupted you. Sorry. No, you didn't. <laughs> Where I, were you? <laughs> I agree with you. No, I agree with you. I don't. I don't think I had my first mentor until I was in college. Uh, um, and she was in the African-American Cultural Center, mm. Mama Thorpe, 
She was everyone's mother. Is that her name? Mama Thor. Mama mm-hmm. Thor. That everybody it's a great knows name. her. She is very well known. Um, and I remember the first time I met her, she was like, How are you doing? And she gave me this huge hug. African American Visitation Day. And I was just like, Oh. And that was the moment I was like, Oh, okay, well, I guess I'll come here. Yeah. Um, and I did not know that for the next four years she would be such a huge part of my life. Um, and so to your point, I have a couple of mentors now, mentors slash friends. Um, oh, thank you. Um, I have a couple of mentors now um, who have also become friends, but I do think it's very important and it's really powerful because it is about exposure. Um, and I would say that each of them um, exposed me to new things. And so I yeah. feel you on that one. Yeah. I. Um, you, you know, the, the overall issue, I think, with... <clears throat> I can't say lack of mentorship, it's just the education system in general. Mm. <laughs> I think there needs to be more money, but I don't think money is gonna do everything. Because um, the money will just maybe bring in more teachers, but the teachers will just help the kids. I think that the parents also need some some assistance. Resources. Yeah, and the, the curriculum, I think, financial literacy, um, psychology courses. I think you could do that at as early as elementary school, to be honest with you. It doesn't have to, you don't have to learn about Freud, but I do think learning about conflict resolution, um, you know, recognizing emotions within yourself, Mm -hmm. anger, anxiety, um, depression, obviously, that can start pretty early on. It can. Um, You know, I don't think a kid is gonna be able to engage in a full out hour long therapy session, but I do think when a child experiences an emotion, they'll be able to, you know, use some sort of coping skill. Right. um, You know, draw, write, color, whatever it might be um, to express that. Because I- Social emotional learning, right? Yes, I, I think some of what's going on is, impoverished neighborhoods have such a lack of education that the psychology and the financial and math and science too. Um, I, I do think there's too much of an emphasis on math and science and not the, the social sciences, mm-hmm. but that's another story. I think in impoverished neighborhoods, the lack of education is why they stay impoverished. Maybe in some regard, I, I agree with you. I think it's the lack of resources and exposure within those areas and mm-hmm. spaces. You know what I mean? People can't do something with, you know, nothing. Um, and when you're bringing things into a community or even when I'm thinking about schools, some of our schools, to your point, um, are engaging with like social emotional learning, mm-hmm. restorative practice, things like that. Um, assisting children in, you know, kind of being more aware of what they're feeling, what they're going through and asking more questions. We don't do that in every school building, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but to your point, even if you were to give schools more funding and more money, you would have to make sure that the funding and the money is going towards the schools that you know needed most for those types of things. Are, are there schools, I feel like I've heard something of this, are there schools that don't necessarily need it as much as others? Within Baltimore City? Well, any any city, but Baltimore, you know Baltimore. I mean, yeah, Baltimore. I would say within any city, there are some that do it more than others. I think that goes back to the conversations about like values and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in a school community that values that, then a lot of the work that they do is going to be geared towards, okay, like if we're saying that we value, you know, social emotional learning and we're not just suspending children or whatever, then we're going to have to put in resources for students. So that means having counselors or teachers or rooms where they can go to have conversations or work on conflict resolution or go somewhere to talk to someone. And so there are schools that are doing that. Oh, um, so you're saying it's the, the culture of the individual school. 
Oh, that sometimes do, I has think a, a lot of that has to do with yes. Oh, yes. You know, yeah. When I think <laughs> of when, when I think of school, I think of the school system. I don't necessarily break down the individual oh. schools. Yeah. Well, that's why I have you here to <laughs> enlighten me. Right. This, this is why I have you here. <laughs> I never really thought of that. Yeah. It's it's an individual culture. So many of, of our the schools. School. Yeah. So many of them. And I don't think that we take culture into consideration um, Mm. enough um, because it does mean everything because your, you know, your um, rules or processes, procedures, a lot of them are going to be, that's going to, you know, be a part of your culture in the school building. Mm. Um, There are some school communities when you're talking about, you know, working with family, they provide resources with to families or tutors because they know that they have a lot of parents that want to assist their children, right? But may not know exactly what that looks like or sounds like. So it's like, oh, okay, we'll come over here. Actually, we can help you with that. Da da da. And so hmm. I don't want to say that it's not happening because I know that it's happening. I just think the scale right. at which we need it to happen. It's not happening everywhere. Issue. Yes. Is what not. you're saying. No. Well, see, I mean, that's just my opinion. You know what well, I mean? Well, of course, like, that's how I brought you in school. Brought you here for your opinion. <laughs> Value your opinion. Okay. Hey, everybody! Thanks for tuning in. At this point in the conversation, we're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Cube LA podcast.